HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash industry. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. This is the 250th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the Managing Director for a New York City restaurant group and Managing Partner of an Investment and Advisory Platform, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion on COVID-19, my solo dining takeout experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to celebrate milestones. Take time to acknowledge what we have accomplished, whether it's big or small, serious or fun, personal, or professional. If it's meaningful to us, then it deserves recognition and all of the feel-goods. So on that note, I'm really proud that today's show is our 250th episode. It has been an honor and a joy to be producing and hosting this podcast since 2014, and I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to speak with so many leaders in our hospitality industry and help share their stories and I look forward to continuing to do so. I celebrate with you, our listeners, supporters, guests, and the entire Heritage Radio team, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Here's to 250. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very happy to be joined on this episode by Michael Schatzberg, who's otherwise known as Schatzi, and he is the Managing Director for Branded Restaurants and the founder and managing partner of Branded Strategic Hospitality. Michael has over 35 years of marketing, brand development, management, and hospitality experience. He runs two Big Daddies and two Dukes locations in Manhattan, 
and advises many startup hospitality technology companies through Branded Strategic. So hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hello, Shari. How are you? Thank you for having me and congratulations on episode 250. I really feel uh, very honored and privileged to be uh, the 250. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I don't know. The numbers just add up, apparently. They just I got to 250, and I'm I'm excited that you're my guest today. And I I know um, you've got a lot of nicknames and names. I'm gonna I, I I keep going Michael, and I'm like I got to go with Shatsy, right? <laughs> you know, it's 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 a lot easier. There's a lot of Michaels. My mom, uh, I was a third child. She ran out of uh, names when it came to me, and just went with that. That time in 1967, Michael was the most popular name. Yeah. And, uh, so that's my name. It's Michael, and it's too complicated on conference calls uh, with a lot of Michaels. So Shatsy, it is. All right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to 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 do to feel. It, you know what it is. I think it's like I feel like I really need to know you, know you, like to to feel comfortable. Like I'm in with you with the Shatsy, but I'm gonna just. You're in with me. You're I'm in gonna with take me. it. Okay. You're in with me. I'm in with you. So yeah. Shatsy. Let's talk about your career. Like, how did you how did you first get started, and what drew you into the hospitality space? Great question. Um, well, I started out um, really in the in the clothing business, working uh, for a family business, making uh, schmatas for all of you uh, New Yorkers out there. Um, and uh, my dad was uh, sold his company, and I was looking for something else to do. And uh, my uh, now partner, but a friend of mine from college, uh, had a, a restaurant here in the city. He's in the real estate business. And I was looking for something to do. And bartending was always uh, a passion and a dream uh, for me when I was a young guy, because I figured that would be an easy way to meet uh, ladies. And uh, while I was in trance, in, in kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, I started bartending at a restaurant on 19th Street uh, called Duke's. And uh, I loved it, had a great time, started giving my, uh, my now partner again a lot of ideas. And he said, Shatz, why don't you just, um, you know, why don't you help me run this and, uh, you know, you'll buy in and be my partner. And that's kind of like how the story, uh, how it all started. Wow. So you really, yeah, well, you've, you've come a long way from, from that. Um, and, and also, I mean, I remember I moved to New York in 98. And so I have very, you know, I have early memories of, of Dukes and, and it's, you know, as a, a, and it's been, it's been running strong in Manhattan uh, since, or when did, when did it open? I forget. The- it, it's yeah, no, it's, it's uh, 1995. Okay. We opened Dukes. It was, I guess we started, I guess he started building out in 94. City Crab was his, was his first restaurant at 93. And they were they were right next to each other on 19th and Park South. Right, so, I remember. Yeah. I remember yeah. going to City Crab too. Um, yep. It's a great. Those were great places. I'm sure you remember Canistels and 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 Cafe Iguana, which used was in the same space of uh, City Crab, if you remember. Oh right, yeah. Good times. We're aging ourselves a little bit. I know, I know, but it's it's I don't know. It's good memories and and in fact, today. yeah. So what? So how is so? What's your role today now with um, with Dukes? Yeah, well, listen, I, I wear uh, two hats. And uh, on the restaurant side, uh, I do uh, run 
um, day-to-day operations for uh, a couple of restaurants here in the city. Uh, we have uh, five restaurants that I run day-to-day. Um, we have, uh, we're invested in partners in a bunch of other restaurants like La Express and Barbunia and some of those that I don't do anything day-to-day, but um, certainly part of our ecosystem. And my other hat is, uh, is this branded strategic hospitality platform that I launched with, uh, with our restaurant partners. And um, uh, that's about three years ago. And that is really an investment advisory platform really based on uh, hospitality technology. So, so how do you work? So how does, how do you work with different companies on that? Yeah. Well, you know what? We've always been, I mean, in the restaurant space. So I guess it's, it's, you know, 20 some odd year, 25 years, whatever it is, uh, always early adopter of, uh, of technology and hospitality technology, just something I always thought was interesting. And I figured, um, there would be great benefits. Uh, uh, again, uh, open table was a, a startup like 23, 22, 23 years ago. And I remember, uh, they had an office, they were in San Francisco. They moved an office here in New York on park South. And uh, they came into City Crab at the time, a salesperson, whoever it was, and they, you know, they pitched us on this idea of, of reservations. And we didn't take reservations at the time. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of restaurants back in those days didn't take reservations. You didn't need to take reservations because there was really um, there was no takeout and delivery at that point, really. And uh, so I just found that really interesting. So we put it in and we used it not even for the reservations, just because it would manage our book. Um, I found uh, 20 years ago, um, my partner, Jimmy was in finance and he said, Shats, there's this really cool company we're now using in our offices to manage uh, ordering and paying for meals so we can build the right clients, et cetera. It's, it's called seamless web. You know, you should meet these guys. And they were on uh, a block away from one of our restaurants on 37th Street. And I met with them and they said, do you have a fax machine? And I said, yes. They said, well, if you have a fax machine, we can send you some orders from these businesses in Midtown that have people working, you know, during the day for lunch and at night for dinner. And I said, well, wow, that sounds great. And that was Seamless Web. And those were the early, um, the earliest memories I have of using technology and um I really saw great value in it. So we've always loved tech and uh, and early adopters and recognized that hospitality was really very slow to embrace technology. We're, you know, we think that you have a point of sale system and that's pretty much as cool a tech as you get. And um, really the last couple of years, we've been um, really testing a lot of really cool stuff. And what, we found now our thesis has always been that technology will really help restaurants in so many ways like labor efficiencies, et cetera. And this, this COVID or a crisis that uh, came, I guess the early mid March has really put a spotlight on technology in hospitality because you couldn't go out and eat. So everyone was scrambling for uh, a takeout and delivery uh, solution. So restaurants that never did take out and delivery were scrambling because the only revenue they were going to have is through, through that. So we were very fortunate to um, to embrace technology and invest in uh, in some of these uh, early stage companies that really did focus on uh, using your mobile phone to order and pay, um, uh, 
uh, you know, ordering uh, takeout delivery with your phones or, you know, or your laptop or what have you. It's been very fortunate with respect to that. And it really just puts a, a light on how important technology is and will continue to be in hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, again, we're dating ourselves, but I remember like Seamless Web too when it launched. Actually, one of my high school college friends was was part of the opening team, and it was and it was just so funny. You're talking about faxing, and it's just like um, that's the way that's the way we did things. Um, yeah. But and you're right with I mean with 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 what's happening now um, with uh, that restaurants aren't open beyond takeout and delivery and that these tech services are certainly uh, important for for that or are also websites, you know, building websites. Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow, actually, I'm going to do one of my, started doing these Instagram lives and I'm going to talk with uh, Crystal Mobayeni of Bento Box um, be, and see oh. what she's doing because of, you know, a restaurant website platform and in, in supporting restaurants to um with delivery takeout so are yeah. you so with your role with um with your partners and your high-tech partners are you actively like working with them to to, to help them make adjustments to better support restaurants yeah well first uh we've been bento box customers for a long time so i'm glad that you guys are chatting um, yeah we love that company um yeah, we found that, um, uh, you know, on the restaurant side, there are a lot of restaurants that need help because it just, it, it wasn't something, again, we were very old fashioned in the way we do business and a lot of restaurant operators, you know, they're hosp- we're hospitality centric. We're either uh, some, somehow passionate about food and beverage, either uh, bartending or mixologist or chef. Somehow we, we, we love this business. And technology is just not something that re- comes natural to a lot of us. Um, so we, we actually did a um, did a, a, a seminar, a webinar, I should say, for the New York State Restaurant Association maybe last week, and really highlighting for I guess maybe 500 folks on there from you know New York restaurant operators, really giving them some some great tips on some of the technology that's out there that can help them now and help them in the future. And you're, you're right, online ordering. And I'm not talking about the third-party delivery platforms. I'm talking about the restaurant really having their own platform to have their customers engage their customers and order without paying, um, you know, crazy commissions and fees. And that's a, that's probably a discussion for another time. But, uh, yeah, yes, very involved with that. Well, it's a big, it's, yeah, it is. It's this, there's a lot of, yeah, that's a, that would be a big topic to, to cover. It's important. Yeah, um, podcast. yeah. So, but you are, you're doing, so you, the, I mean, you have, you have your own podcast or you've had your, did you, did you launch one recently just specifically to, to, um, for the res, hospitality hangout to talk about what's happening, um, with COVID? Yeah. No, it's a great question. No, we we thought about the podcast. Uh, I met uh, some folks that do it, um, that do these podcasts and produce the podcast. And um, so we we had the idea of launching this before this happened. So we started doing them. It was really like in February, right before. And I guess we got our first one off the ground, which was really just kind of introducing ourselves and branded hospitality and branded strategic, I should say. And then COVID hit. 
So we quickly said, well, our next podcast is due. And we did a series on takeout and delivery. And we had uh, some of our partner companies and not all. I mean, some, just, you know, we play nice in the sandbox with everybody. So, but we had the CEO of uh, Relay that does actually last mile delivery. We had the CEO of Chowley, the CEO of Romo. And these were all tech solutions for hospitality that help with your delivery. So, yeah, it was great. And people really loved it. It was really it got lit up. Yeah, that's great. What, so w- with your restaurant, so you, um, and I don't know if you want to uh, tell people a little more about Dukes and Big Daddies and the concepts in case they're not familiar, but what are, what's your status right now with, with them? Um, are, you, are you doing takeout and delivery um, at all your locations? Yeah, um, well, you know, we tried to do it in all our locations. Uh, our locations are scattered around the city and our restaurants are my partner's restaurants. And what we found was it was a mixed bag. If I'm, I'm in the office right now on Park Avenue South, uh, 19th Street, our office is above Union Square Cafe. And this area, to be honest with you, though it's getting a little better, has been, uh, when this all went down, it's really, uh, it's a mixed bag. So there's a lot of offices here, mm-hmm. you know, residential and Gramercy Park. But it seems like the people from Gramercy, uh, it seems like they um, found uh, their safe place somewhere outside the city. And obviously all the offices were closed. So it was really, it, 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 it wasn't very good. Uh, we found that the Upper East Side and Upper West Side, if you're familiar with New York City, I know you are, Sherry, but for the listeners, um, that's more residential. There's not a lot of offices up there. That's where everyone uh, who, who uh, lives in the city, that's a real dense area to live, Upper East and Upper West. So we have operations there. So to answer your question, we have um, our Dukes is up on the Upper East Side. We have uh, Five Napkin Burger on the Upper East and on the Upper West Side open. Uh, when Big Daddy's didn't do well on Park South, we um, we opened up a pop-up at our Duke's location, the Upper East Side. So we kind of are now doing uh, our Big Daddy's menu at a Duke's on the Upper East Side, along with our Duke's menu. Uh, we brought our milk milkshake, uh, you know, equipment up there. So we're doing milkshakes, and uh, it's really been a mixed bag. It's um, we're really doing, we believe, more community service and really being hospitality professionals. We think that trying to, A, we're delivering to the hospitals every day and, and those uh, the workers who are really putting their life on the line since the get-go. So we, we have a van that here in this, we have our own van that we drive around for, you know, maintenance, this, that, and the other thing. So really every day we deliver uh, uh, about 200, 300 meals to uh, various hospitals for lunch and dinner. Um, and that's been keeping a lot of the crew busy. Um, and we really, we really feel that, you know, if all the restaurants closed and, and there was no place to order food from, I know it's, yeah, people could cook, but we feel like in the restaurant business, it's, it's almost like an obligation for us to keep the community together. And I think when kind of these kind of crises hit, I remember 9-11, for example, just reminds me of different circumstances, but similar in some ways. I remember, um, how everyone wanted to come into the restaurants and sit at the bar and watch. We had a TV at one of the restaurants at the time and kind of, you know, get together and kind of talk and everything like that. And I know that's not happening right now, but the idea of having our restaurants open and giving them a little sense of, um, of calmness and uh, a neighborhood and, and comfort that 
some of the restaurants that they know and love are there to to deliver food like you know the mac i mean for dukes it's mac and cheese it's burgers it's wings it's that kind of food so um yeah so we feel good about that and and i think our team that comes to work every day is uh feels real good about it that they're doing something special and really helping things out so it's not a viable business model uh some people say oh you're open that's great and we're open to really feed the neighborhood, feed the hospitals and keep some of our employees engaged and working, but it's certainly not enough to, um, to keep the, the, the restaurant model the way it's designed to work. I mean, these restaurants, at least ours, were built upon being fully occupied with people drinking and, and engaging and watching sports and having, you know, and really what, what we know as a, as, as a full New York City restaurant. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, that's it's 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 I hear you. And it's it's great that you are doing that with the hospitals and that you are able to have um, some of your staff still on board. And um, let me ask you my question from my last episode on episode 249. I had on Danielle Chang, the founder and CEO of Lucky Rice and the mm-hmm. host and creator of Lucky Chow and William Lee, the co-host and co-producer of Lucky Chow and contributing editor of El Decor in Town and Country. So William wanted to know, he was curious, what you think will be emerging restaurant formats that will gain more popularity in post-pandemic? And he went on to ask, uh, what do you think the long-term effect of social distancing will be on fine dining? And what are the interesting new formats your company may be looking at to address that? Uh, what role do you think technology is going to have in the future? Wow. That's yeah, great. I know that. That Actually, I could have just started the show with that. and <laughs> That would be skipped, enough. Yeah. If my you. questions. That's great. Yeah, no, listen, we've been thinking a lot about it. We've been thinking a lot about this before. We're thinking a lot about it now. Everyone really wants to know. So on uh, just a few high-level things on technology, since that's kind of the area that we play in, uh, we always felt that, A, takeout and delivery was something that was eroding restaurant uh, dine-in sales for, for the last couple of years. It hasn't been like an it wasn't this overnight thing that takeout and delivery. It's been growing and growing and growing. So that we believe will continue to grow. So if you are a restaurant and you don't have any takeout or delivery element to your business, it's going to be hard to uh, sustain your business. Um, we believe that using your phone, this is something that we were, we've been using too. We invested in a company that uses uh mobile technology to order and pay in the restaurant. Um, We were using in our restaurants, using a QR code and just scan, get the menu at your phone, sitting at a table, order and pay. We believe that contactless everything is going to be the norm. And I think we're going to leapfrog from, I mean, you know, you've traveled a lot. So, you know, if you were in Europe or you were in Canada, you were in Mexico, they came to your table when you were ready to pay and gave you the little device for your credit card. It's been going on for 20 years. It's only in America that we didn't embrace this for, I'm sure, a myriad of reasons. So I think we were starting to see this kind of paying at the table kind of come in to play in restaurants, but not a lot. I think that you are going to see five years worth of uh, time and we're going to be at a time warp. And in three months, you're going to see 
every restaurant is going to have a, uh, somehow you are going to be ordering and paying with your phone at the table. You know, the idea of a waiter coming over and, and, and giving you a menu, I, I think those days are, are gone. And I think that they're probably not going to come back because you're just going to be replaced by technology. And we're thinking about things like on that phone, it's your phone, it's your device. You're going to pull up a menu. You're going to see allergy information, ingredients. You can see pictures. You can see, get pairings of, of what beverages go well with the dishes. You can maybe get reviews. You can see testimonials. So there's a whole lot of things that are going to come really fast that would have taken years that you're going to see that. Um, I mean, those are the things I like to think about because we're really involved in technology. I mean, you know, obviously the masks and the gloves and the cleaning, you know, it's something that I, I think is more obvious. And, and I don't really want to harp on that because that's going to be probably more dictated by uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, health departments and codes and things like that. So on the technology side, I think, again, you're going to see um, you're going to contactless everything. You're going to be, uh, you know, we, we were involved in a, uh, in a company that is a self-pouring beverage company. And we think that, again, the idea of using your phone to be able to open and close um, taps or what have you to pour your own drink is, is going to be even bigger and better now because uh, of the idea of touching things and having a bartender touch things. And so we're, we're very excited because I think that technology – is going to really help restaurants not survive. I don't want to talk about survive because we're not looking to survive. It's going to help restaurants thrive. And I think that's really important. And if you're not willing to adjust and, and jump onto this technology kind of bandwagon, you're, you're not going to survive and you certainly won't thrive. Yeah, no, all, all very good points. And um, yeah, tech, Tech, uh, we are going to see how tech changes for sure. Uh, and the other uh, part of my question um, to you isn't a question. Actually, Danielle wanted to give a shout out from Kiki Olivo, who's Lucky Rice's event director, and she's formerly of Big Daddy's. So, oh, yes, of course. So Kiki oh, says hi. <laughs> yes, I remember her well. Yes, one of my favorites. Yes, Kiki. Cool. Girl. Small, small world, right? It really is. That's hysterical. Yeah. So, um, okay, on that note, let's take a little break, and we will come back, and we will talk more with Shatsy. We will play my speed round and, and have some industry news and my solo dining takeout experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. 
If you run a restaurant or a small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash industry. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Michael Schatzberg, otherwise known as Shatzi, and he is the managing director for Branded Restaurants and the founding and the founder and managing partner of Branded Strategic Hospitality. So Shatzi, it's time for my speed round game. I'm nervous. No, don't be nervous. You're gonna be great. I'm I'm gonna name a couple things and you get to pick your preference such oh as goodness. chocolate or vanilla. So here, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, I mean, uh, I'm all about eating out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hear you. Okay, wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Start with a cocktail and then into the wine. All righty. Tasting menu or a la carte? Always a la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates that we can share. <laughs> large oligarch plates. Okay, I'm getting the vibe. How about communal table or chef's counter? Community table. It's all about the community. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, you're, I, like, I like this direction here. Um, how about um, tipping or all-inclusive charge? Well, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the speed round, so you got to just go quick on it. Okay. Tipping, tipping. Okay, another podcast. How about hosting events or or doing podcasts? Oh, I, I mean, I, I love hosting events. I love podcasts. <laughs> yeah, because I know I, I had gone to, you did this to Tech the Halls, right? Yeah, um, we love I would much prefer hosting an event and having a drink and talking to you face to face. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're um, we're people. I hear you. Okay, how about um, Cookie Monster Shake or Oreo Overload Shake? It's always the Cookie Monster Shake. <laughs> I would like either one of them right now. I'm telling you. Yes, <laughs> you're right about that. And th those are those are from from Dukes, right? Or Big Daddy? Yeah, those Daddy are the Upper East Side pop up. Right. Okay. Last two are cheese plate or dessert. You know what? I'm going to go cheese plate. You know. Ah. Cocktail. All righty. And Manhattan or Brooklyn? Oh, Manhattan. Manhattan. And that's the game. I didn't do it. wasn't that bad. I, I I think it was okay. I love the questions. I did all right. I was I was nervous. I was sweating. You did all right. There's no right or wrong. That's the thing. It's just um it's just fun. Just fun old yeah, I loved it. All right. So um for industry news, you know, I've been 
covering COVID-19 and just for updates, I thought, I just thought it would be interesting to talk with you a bit about uh, what's happening uh, with Alinea in, in Chicago. There's an article, uh, Fine Dining Lovers uh, was the publication and the titles Foil and Triumph, a pivotal moment for Ackett's and Alinea. And you know, I briefly mentioned this on on my my show with Stephen Sidman, who uh, had had what his first uh, culinary client was working with Grant Ackett's and Nick Kakonis, but we didn't really get into it. Um, but really, this is you know, Alinea is a fine dining restaurant, tasting menu. I've I've been there once before. It's it's fantastic, like in house experience that you really can't replicate. However, Grant and Nick are now um, doing takeout and delivery and and it's going really well. They've kind of figured out how to how to, you know, please their audience even in this um, very uh, uncertain and unstable time. So what do you think about that? Fine dining is is as has shifted and, and actually you noted that a little bit earlier that uh, you think maybe all restaurants will will have to do takeout and delivery. Yeah, it's um it's it's just it's just where we are. Uh, when I started in the business, we had the 70-30 rule. It was 70% of the space would be seats for customers and 30% would be, you know, back of the house or kitchen or you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's changing a lot. The footprints are going to get smaller. You're not going to need as many seats. Takeout and delivery will continue to grow. And I think we think about takeout and delivery, at least um, from my perspective, a long time ago, it was, it was you know, uh, Chinese food and, 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 and pizza. That was what your takeout and delivery options were. It's changed a lot as fast casual has kind of come in and, and chefs have become stars. So today, you know, they're, they're making, you know, McDonald's was our idea of, of, of quick serve. And it was kind of, had this connotation of garbage food or bad for you. Your mom didn't want to let you eat it because it wasn't good for you. And that's changed so much. And it's just, we're just seeing it continue to evolve. So great chefs are able to now produce great food in smaller footprints. So you can get great barbecue, great burgers, all this great food. And, and that's just, these are all great chefs. So whether they're making, you know, a great barbecue fast casual, or it's a, fine dining at the end of the day it's great chef making great food and everyone is going to everyone likes the idea of of sitting home and getting food um at their house because they can get they have a great tv the big big uh, flat screen you've got netflix and hulu and disney plus and apple tv and i can and, and platforms go on and on and on and every show goes on so i think people are very comfortable eating at home nice bottle of wine or a cocktail and that's just it's just Part, it's just going to continue to evolve and grow. I think going out will continue to be there and it's going to be a very important part of our life. But to get back to the fine dining, there's no reason why you can't get really high quality food delivered to your house or go and pick it up and eat it. So it's going to keep on going. I know my friend was, you know, Carbone is doing it now and, and so many other restaurants here in the city are now that were initially closed are now realizing they could open up and they could do some takeout and delivery. Um, that those restaurants that were built for dining in aren't built for takeout and delivery. So they're going to need both. You're going to need that bar. You're going to need takeout, but you're going to need it all. It's, it's just, 
it's going to be a piece of the puzzle. You're going to need it all. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is, it's interesting to see and that they were so quick to, to make this shift. And I think, uh, one of the things I saw is, or he, you know, they have this, uh, very classic dessert that they do at the restaurant where basically they spread sauces and deliciousness just all over the table. It's like the table becomes art and then you eat the table, but they're providing instructions for people at home very specifically of how to recreate this at their home. So I think, you know, giving them all the little, the little containers of probably like 30 sauce, little chocolate sauces and things that go onto this dish. And so people can recreate it, which is fun. Um, I think it, you know, I think you have to, there's a lot of like, you know, rethinking um, and pivoting and, and kind of what's going to work, um, what you, how you can bring your restaurant experience to people in their homes. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, Shari, all, we all have one thing in common. We all have to eat and drink. <laughs> True. Where we do it and how we do it, that's what's been changing. We all have to eat and drink. Um, my parents dine differently than I dine. My kids dine and eat differently than I eat. Um, and I think that's just going to continue to evolve. Millennials make up a big, the biggest part of our population today. They eat and drink a little differently than, than, than at least I do. I'm 53. My kids definitely eat and drink a little differently. So we're all, we all eat and drink, just going to be a little different. And I think there's plenty of room for all these different mediums, whether it's meal kits coming to your house uh, from, you know, like HelloFresh or Blue Apron or what have you, a meal kit being produced from a high-end restaurant. We see that happening. Chefs are putting together meal kits that you can cook in your house. Um, it's just so, you know, I think you have to be really, really creative. And I don't think that it's just because of this crisis. I think this crisis has magnified it and really put a spotlight on it. But these are things that we've been thinking about, restaurant operators have been talking about, and we've been doing. Uh, you know, the, the people that are innovators have been doing it already. You know, so I think now it's just, it's just um, sped the process up. And the people that are going to sit back are going to, um, they're going to be passed by, you know? Yeah, well... I don't know. It's 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 hard to it's it's very hard to know what's gonna what's the next month's gonna look like, what it's gonna look like in the fall or in five years from now. And it's it's you know, I think there will be a new normal and I mean I do I miss restaurants though. I do miss that that social environment and even though I dine out um, a lot by myself, it's still it's different dining out solo than solo dining in my apartment. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, I'm adjusting, we're all adjusting. So yeah, yeah. The idea for me, uh, and, and I, my wife, Jillian, and I go out, you know, every Saturday night we're, we're, we're New Yorkers. We love to explore all different areas of the city. Uh, and the idea of going into a restaurant and the bar and nobody at the bar and, and plexiglass or shower curtains or something between us. Yeah. And everyone wearing masks. Now it's not very attractive and, I, it doesn't sound like something I want to do because I go out for the, for the, you know, the, the action, the tumbling, the music, the, the noise, the, even I love sitting by myself at the bar and eating because, you know, just engaging with a bartender or, or somebody yeah. next to me. I mean, yeah. So I, I'm with you, believe me. Uh, and I, and I, by no means am I saying that's, that's gone. No, that's, I was just getting to the point that 
these high-end restaurants that have pivoted, I think it's great because I think it's just going to be another vehicle for them to express themselves and, and, and let people try their great food. It's just going to be another opportunity. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And um, it's, I, I give, I give, I think, you know, I think restaurants do need to, you know, I think, I think what Alinea is doing is a good model for, or, or maybe an inspiration for restaurants that maybe thought they couldn't do that sort of thing. Cause here's a restaurant that probably I didn't think they would ever do that. And they probably, they didn't think, I don't think they ever thought they would do that, but here they are and they're doing well. So yeah, I saw the article you sent me and I saw the pictures. I mean, yeah, like these guys are, you know, they're the highest of high end and, you know, but they realize that there's, it's again, it's, it's, it's what they have to do right now. And right. I suspect that when things do get back to this, this normal, they're going to see that it was really terrific. And I think it'll just be another extension of their business and another revenue stream for them. Yeah. In some way, shape or form. So, yeah. So we'll see. Um, Let's, uh, I'm going to do my solo dining experience now, which is my takeout experience. So um, this week it's from Badshaw. So here's the rundown. The location, 788 9th Avenue at 52nd Street in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. The concept, inventive dishes inspired by Indian street food. The chef and owner, Abhishek Sharma. So why did I order takeout? Well, because I was missing those really flavorful Indian dishes, and this place had been on my radar even before uh, the pandemic, and um, it's in my neighborhood. So I said, this is what I'm going to do for dinner tonight, and that was on Monday this last week. So uh, my experience. So I ordered through their website. Um I wanted to do takeout because I wanted to get out and take a walk um, and not delivery. Um, and so they're, they're also on a lot of, I saw a lot of uh, the apps um, for delivery, but through their website, I was able to just do a takeout order. Um, it said it would be ready in about 30 minutes. Uh, so I did, I, I, I got ready. I took a walk around my neighborhood and I went and the, the restaurant was empty besides uh, the manager and uh, a couple of chefs who were there. Um, my bag was ready to go as soon as I arrived. And um, I took it home and uh, I, I enjoyed my dinner. And I also noticed on my walk on Ninth Avenue that there were a lot more restaurants that had been closed a couple weeks ago that now had their lights on and had started to do takeout and delivery. So it was, it was cool to see that change. Um, so what did I get? I had their signature Badshaw cauliflower, butter chicken, naan, and a mango lassi. My take? It was quite delicious, I have to say. Um, the cauliflower was really excellent. It has a rich tomato, tomatoey flavor, um, and it was crispy. Um, even though it was takeout, I think it's hard to keep that crispiness um, with the takeout delivery. But they did a good job, and the chicken's gravy was super flavorful. The non bread was fresh and delicious. The mango lassi went really well with it as a sweet complement. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, the ambiance is the comfort of my own home. I'd say it's perfect for anyone who enjoys Indian cuisine with interesting spices. Interesting tidbit, Chef Sharma was born in New Delhi and has raised in New York. And the name Badshah comes from the Hindi term for king of the village. 
personal fun fact, um, I think I'd like to challenge myself to make Indian food at home because that's something I haven't done. And so, yeah, I'm putting it out there. We'll see if I can I can create some of this magical stuff myself. Um, the cost of my meal was $41. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. And their website is BadshawNY.com. That's B-E-B-A-D-S-H-A-H-N-Y.com. So there you go. Have you, uh, Shatsi, have you been eating any Indian food? No, no, I really, I really haven't. But I'm very curious to see when you do make this Indian food. I'd like you to invite me over because I want to see how it comes out. I know. Well, you know, I think it's a matter of me getting a lot of spices I probably don't have. Or or maybe it's yeah. not. I don't know. I have to look into it. <laughs> well, I know there's some great little Indian uh, um little markets on Lex in the uh, 20s. So you have no problem getting the spices. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I will. I will stay tuned. <laughs> Give me both. I'm very curious. Um, I mean, right now at home, I have been cooking, cooking chicken. I've been cooking, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone that direction yet. So we'll see. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Anna Polinsky. She is the founder of Polinsky and Friends, a a strategy and design consultancy for those who use food as a beacon for community and change and supporting mission-driven food-related projects initiated by some of today's most interesting chefs, activists, and brands. And she recently did or is doing an initiative called Ask Chefs Anything, which which um, which is raising, raising money, I believe, for immigrant workers. Um, so, Michael, what would you like to ask Anna? Yeah, thanks, Sherry. I, I did a little research and I saw that um, Anna was certainly involved in uh, it looked like graphic design, interior design, that type of thing for the restaurants and hospitality. So I think um, based on a lot of our conversations, if you were going to uh, build a restaurant today, um, post-COVID, with everything we know, I would love to know what Anna thinks or what she feels that's going to look like the footprint, the design, the layout. Is it going to have, um, you know, a window for pickup and delivery? Is it going to be a separate entrance and takeout? And, you know, is the bar going to be a big bar, a little bar? Are we going to have a bar? Uh, just what are her thoughts on what, if I was building a restaurant post COVID, what does she think this is going to look like? Yeah, it's a that's a great question, and I'm I'm curious to know too. And I'm sure I would think she is as is giving it thought. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I did see um, uh, a restaurant. I think it was in Colorado. I don't remember where. Maybe you saw it on the news or the blogs. And and the owner put shower curtains between each table, clear shower curtains. And, I uh, I saw something like that, and I was like. Oh, oh my. <laughs> I hope I, and then I also spoke to some friends in China and they sent me pictures of them eating and everyone has plexiglass between them. <laughs> so I, I just hope that's not what I'm in. Uh, that's, that's not what we're in for. I don't like the idea. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really like that either. I did, I did notice on another outing I took on, on, I was up on the Upper West Side and it was a nice day out. Um, there was, there was a, a restaurant bar that turned around, I guess, a mobile bar, and it was facing the street, and they had French 
doors um, and there are people waiting on the street to get frozen margaritas and things from the bar. And I was thinking that New York might turn into a street party, <laughs> a, a socially distanced street party this summer. Yeah, New Yorkers are one thing about New Yorkers. It's uh, we are a crazy, a crazy bunch and we will survive and be creative. And uh, and it's great. It's great to see, you know, and I I do. I do love that seven o'clock, everyone banging on pots and pans every night. Uh, I don't know if that's just a New York thing or other cities, but I, I do love it. It makes me smile and it it's kind of cool. I love it too. It's like, I, I don't I have no idea what day of the week it is, but I do know when, when seven o'clock, it's like such a nice reminder. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cocktail time for me. That's my cue. <laughs> It's like, yeah, no, it's really, it's really nice. It's such a, it's, 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 especially because the city is really quiet, you know, or it has been. Um, and, and to get that and that just, you feel that love and support. It's really, it is really nice. I actually um, uh, take my phone out and, and, and video it a little bit with the sound. And I send it to, uh, to my wife, who's hunkered down out, out East. And she, when, when she, she texts me back, like, I'm crying, I'm crying when I, when, you know, cause it really is, it is kind of moving and nice that with all of this and all the pain and suffering that a lot of people are going through in so many different areas, it is nice that we come together for that. It makes me smile. It gives me a little goosebumps. Yeah, me too. And, um, yeah, I, that's the show. I, I wish you the best and it sounds, you know, I know you have a lot going on, but it really seems like you're. You're on it. You're figuring things out with your team. And um, I look forward to listening to more, more of your podcasts and everything you're doing and when you can do events again. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm looking forward to, uh, to having a drink with you at our bar without uh, social distancing. <laughs> yeah, that would be it would that would be great. And I look forward to that, too. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Ah, thanks. So um, my guest today has been Michael Schatzberg, Schatzi, the Managing Director for Branded Restaurants and the Founder and Managing Partner of Branded Strategic Hospitality. His websites are brandedrestaurants.com, brandedstrategic.com, and he's on social media at foodieguynyc. I'm on social media at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So as I said earlier in the show, tomorrow, May 14th at 3 p.m., I'm going to be on Instagram Live at All Industry with Crystal Mobayeni, the CEO and founder of Bento Box. So you can tune in then on Instagram Stories and it'll also be available in the archives at IGTV. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda Wang, and thanks again to Shatsi. I'm Sherry Bayer. Be safe and be well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.